You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning around. Driving around Southeast Michigan in late winter or early spring, it's tough to know whether you're driving on paved roads or on the surface of the moon while swerving to avoid potholes the size of Olympic swimming pools. You might be feeling a bit helpless about the state of our infrastructure. It's only February, but it already feels like this is the worst pothole season in recent memory. I'm not sure if you've driven on I-75 around the Davison or on Mound Road in Warren in the last week or so, but you're lucky if you get down those stretches of road with your car intact. In fact, I saw this morning that Chief Craig of the Detroit Police Department had them close down I-75 between McNichols and Kniff. That's a really long stretch of freeway because so many cars were being wrecked by the potholes there that it was causing too much of an emergency for the police department. There may be good news and some help coming soon. The state house has put $175 million cash infusion on the fast track to help fix roads across the state in time for construction season this year. But how big of a dent will that really make in the atrocious conditions that we're seeing right now? And even more important, what's the long-term solution? Why do we keep doing this every single year? It gets worse and worse as we continue to sort of fall further and further behind the kind of investment we need in our infrastructure to prevent roads from deteriorating this way. Each year, people get outraged and pull a lot of money out of their wallets to make sure that their cars get fixed. But whenever a solution gets sort of put forward to pay more money consistently at the pump, at the Secretary of State when you're registering your car, people get nervous and they start to talk about taxes and their need to keep their money uh, for themselves. It's a really vicious cycle and it's one that I really don't understand as a native Michigander. I'm not sure what's wrong with us, I guess, uh, uh, when it comes to this problem. Why can't we fix it? I'm going to spend the rest of the show today talking about those potholes, Uh, the money that's going into them, and the bigger investment picture. And joining us now to talk about it up front is Mike Nystrom. He is the Executive Vice President of the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association, a statewide construction trade association. Mike, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, So uh, let's start with why is it so bad Right now, I, I, I am not exaggerating when I say that, you know, as somebody who grew up here and has lived here most of my life, uh, I, I don't remember things being like this, especially in February. I mean, this is early to see the kind of damage that's been done to roads by uh, a pretty extreme winter, no, no doubt. But, but give us a sense of what we're seeing and why. Well, I have to agree with you. I, I, I honestly don't remember uh a pothole season like this. Um, we've had some bad ones in the last 10 years, but boy, this one is is amazing. My own daughter coming to work at Mita uh, hit a pothole on Monday and blew out both of her right tires. So it's affected us directly. But uh, I think folks all across the state are, are witnessing what has become an epic conversation. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a com- it's a couple things, really. We had a significant change in weather that happened over the weekend. Mm -hmm. We had a ton of snow. Uh, There was a deep freeze that had happened there for a little while. After uh, quite a thaw, we had that warm area there. 
um, uh, earlier in the month. And then <clears throat> we had the big rain and the big rain really had an impact. The, the potholes blew up and then the rain blew them out even more. Uh, the, the road agencies weren't able to jump on them because of all the water on the road. And so I, I think that that was a unique situation, but what we're facing here is uh, underfunding. We've talked about it. I I'm with you, Stephen. It, it's been ongoing where we've talked about it enough. The legislature, uh, our elected officials have to come up with solutions that truly put a fix on this because all we're doing is band-aids. It's a great step forward that the, the House has passed recently, the $175 million is a big step forward. It will help this summer. We'll be able to fix some of those really rough areas. But when you look at the need, and, and the need was significant uh, in 2015, uh, where we were talking probably close to a need of, of double what was passed. They passed a $1.2 billion package then. The problem was that it was phased in. It doesn't fully implement until 2021. Mm -hmm. And the challenge with that is, is that we're falling further and further behind as this slowly implements. Yeah. Um, that $175 million supplemental, give us an idea what that will do. I I, I look at that number and I think, well, I don't know, maybe that'll patch up some of the roads. I don't think that'll that'll quite cover it, given the extent of the damage that we're seeing so far. Oh, there can't be a listener out there that believes that that's going to fix the problem. It is a step forward. It, it, it's, it's great to see the elected officials recognizing the problem and stepping up immediately. Uh, House Speaker uh, Leonard, he, he jumped right on it and he saw this as an opportunity to take those excess revenues and and do something positive with them, uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. The, the House voted unanimously. It was, it, it was great to see bipartisan uh, workmanship going forward. But the bottom line is you, you hit the nail on the head. This is going to be a, a, a drop in the bucket compared to the true need out there. Some of those roads, uh, you just mentioned I-75, have to be completely rebuilt in some areas, mm -hmm. and that could eat up that entire amount of money. So uh, your listeners shouldn't expect that this $175 million is going to fix the entire problem. But it's a great step forward, and, and it's good to see the legislature working together to find a solution. Yeah. Uh, if you want to join the conversation here, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Lots of people already in queue to talk about this. No surprise there. I think lots of people are spending a lot of time at the auto repair shop uh, dealing with this issue. Let's go to Sean in Detroit. Sean, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Thank you hey. for having me. Uh-huh. Uh, what I was telling your screener is basically this. If you look at the roads, especially side streets, I live below East Jefferson. They just redid all of the streets down there not too long ago. Uh, they're exploding just like every other area. But uh, specifically, if you look at the product, why aren't you looking at the product that these people are using and who is, who is doing the streets? But if you look uh, specifically... They have to go down twice down a regular side street and probably three or four times, you know, to connect each section to make a whole street. Mm -hmm. Most of the potholes are popping up right where the connections are. So, therefore, the, those are not sealed correctly. If you look where the white lines are, basically, that's where most of the potholes get. But I think that is a big issue, the connection part of it and the product and who's doing it. They have to feed their families. They have to continue to get these contracts. All that matters. So it's profit-driven, no question, just like anything else. Yeah, you know, I, I hear a lot of people 
say that same thing, Sean, right? That somehow the materials we're using to construct the roads or to repair them is is not as good as what you get in other states. I, I don't know that to be true, and I'm hoping that Mike Nystrom can can help us uh, understand how this how this works. It's not just that you get the contract and go out there and do whatever you want. It specifies what you're supposed to use. But but I guess the question is, are we not asking enough of people who build roads or repair them to make sure that the fixes or the, the original construction lasts long enough? Well, it's a great question. We get it quite often. Uh, but but frankly, the the specifications are written in a in a manner that the contractor has very little leeway to move around within them and make decisions on his own without right. the road agency or the engineer who's who has oversight over the project approving any changes. It's it's similar to a doctor giving a prescription. He understands the health of of the client. He gives a pres- a prescription. The pharmacist just fills that prescription. He doesn't say no. I think it should be something different. The contractor is much like the pharmacist. They they fill the prescription. They do it exactly the way the doctor or the engineer lays it out. The problem that we're really dealing with is that we're putting a Band-Aid on when we really need a complete overhaul on the road system. So the, the, the roads that you might be referring to probably had a... Uh, uh, like an overlay put on it to extend the life. And that's what we're dealing with here in Michigan. Because we don't have enough investment, uh, folks are are forced to make decisions where they say, you know what, we're going to extend the life of this system of roads uh, by putting an ultra-thin overlay of, of asphalt on it. It'll make it seem better. It'll extend the life. It'll uh, fill in those cracks for a little while, but underneath that foundation needs to be redone to really rebuild the road. And that's very expensive. We can't afford to do that. So the decisions are being made based on the lack of of proper investment available to the road agencies. Yeah. Uh, And so what are we talking about there as a fix? Is that about more money available to, to, to tighten those specifications? Or is that also just about... Thinking differently, I guess, about about road construction. Well, you know, I, we've had a lot of conversations over the years. We could we could rebuild our roads like the you know you always hear the the European model, uh, build them uh, a foot to two feet deep and uh, twelve inches of, of pavement on top of it. That that that's a beautiful idea. We have one hundred and twenty two thousand miles of roads here in Michigan. In order to do that, we would we would we would be doing literally a couple hundred miles of roads each year with the money that's available. We have approximately uh, three to four billion dollars per year that we spend statewide on our roads, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it the the road agencies are not able to spread it that far. We have five hundred and thirty some odd municipalities. We have eighty three counties. We have an MDOT system that. Uh, stretches across the state, and the money just isn't available. We haven't, you said it early on in your conversation, Stephen, we haven't had the conversation truly to the point where a true fix has been uh, proposed and accepted by the elected officials. The $1.2 billion, let, let's be very clear, the $1.2 billion in 2015 was a great step forward. Yeah, it was. It was very inadequate as far as what was truly needed. If we didn't want to have to deal with these types of pothole seasons, they would have had to do a whole heck of a lot more, and they would have had to implement it immediately in 2015. Not this phased-in approach that gives political cover, um, and that's exactly what we're dealing with. We have 
We have folks that are elected that, that want political cover when they make these tough decisions, but yet they also don't want to have to deal with pothole seasons like this. Right. It's, it's, it's a <laughs> conflict there, and it's a real challenge. Yeah. Okay, Mike Nystrom, Executive Vice President of the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. Up next, we are going to continue our conversation about the state of our roads. We're going to talk to a fellow with the Brookings Institution about how we fit into the national picture here with road construction. And, of course, we want to continue to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We all know how bad the roads are here in Michigan, especially right now, as we enter one of the worst pothole seasons any of us has ever seen. But it raises the question why does it have to be like this? Are other places around the country doing better than we are in terms of building and maintaining infrastructure. Joining us now to talk more about this in a national context is Adi Tomer, a fellow with the Brookings Institution's Metropolitan Policy Program, leads that organization's Metropolitan Infrastructure Initiative. Adi, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah. So uh, you're from Ohio, uh, which is our neighbor to the south. Uh, I said earlier in the program that one of the things that's really frustrating to me is that uh, you can tell instantly when you've crossed the line between Michigan and Ohio on I-75 that uh, all of the potholes and the jarring on this side of that border ends almost as soon as you get into Ohio. It's like you're driving on glass. My first question for you is, why is that true? What is what, what are they doing in Ohio that we seem to be missing here in Michigan? Yeah, well, I should emphasize first off that I'm originally a Floridian. I live in Ohio now. <laughs> you live uh, in Ohio. So I got no love for either football team in this situation. Uh, <laughs> um, with that said, um, you know, there is a noticeable difference. I've, I've already taken that drive since we moved to Ohio a year or two ago. Um, and, the you know, look, the, the ODOT or Ohio DOT, um, they they can prioritize their spending a, a little bit differently. Um, but the realities are, and I think your last kind of um, uh, guest kind of spoke to this, right, is, is there are so many miles of roads in states at this, you know, relatively similar sizes, if you will, of Michigan and Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, fellow Midwestern states here, right, um, that it's impossible to always be um, servicing all of them. Um, to the top demands that everyone has, right? So um, what you might be seeing is excellent road conditions in that area. Um, there are struggling road conditions in other parts okay. of the state. Uh-huh. Um, you know, obviously driving up, you know, I, I say this, you know, coming from that, uh, we're in Cleveland, so that Cleveland kind of perspective on it of, um, you know, seeing I-75, the massive construction happening there, right, through Detroit. Um, but when that's done, everyone's going to, you know, especially who's not from there, is going to forget what or not even know about what the headaches were and just see this gleaming new road and wonder the reverse of the way you asked the question today, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the way I like to think about it the most is that as bad as some of our state um, highways are, which I bundle into that, the interstate system, because uh-huh. it's really the states who maintain them, made, um, as yeah. bad as they are, 
um, in some places, the challenges is even deeper inside our counties and municipalities or cities, right, who are really struggling to balance other, um, other fiscal demands, whether it's healthcare or education, um, and, and patching those potholes, especially here in the snow belt. Yeah. So, so what's the solution? I mean, right now here in Michigan, I mean, as I've said, it is terrible. Uh, it's February, and the roads are just unbelievably, they're almost impassable. Uh, in in some cases, I mean, I-75 in the city uh, today was closed down by the police department for a bit because so many cars were being uh, damaged and had to be you know pulled off the roads. Is it just about money? Is it just about the way that, that we fund roads? Uh, and if that's true, I, I guess I'm wondering if there are states we should look to who've, who've sort of figured it out. Yeah, it's, you know, it, a lot of it comes down to money. Um, but, you know, in obviously the state of Michigan just recently raised its gas tax, right? So that's the response that um, folks who are focused on that revenue side, that's what they want to see, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen 25 states across the country in just the last four years alone raise their gas tax. Um, you know, what would be of additional assistance, especially on those um, federally supported roads like I-75, uh, would be a higher gas tax at the national level, right? So the federal government could help provide extra support. Um, you know, the, the tough thing about this is that the states that are doing the best, we tend to think about them um, in management conditions in the sense of they prioritize maintenance, right? So I, I don't know the full Michigan backstory, right? Nor in Ohio, nor in most states, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of reporting out from the national level. Um, but what we've seen is that states that are more willing to prioritize maintenance over capacity expansions um, have been able to kind of see better grades in terms of the quality of their roads. Um, but again, you know, the, across the country at the aggregate level, what we see is that uh, it is these federally supported roads, those major kind of state um, and national highways that have improving pavement conditions relative to the cities, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it maybe speaks to the depth of, of Michigan's problems that you're experiencing on both the local um, and the and the interstate roads, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of folks lined up on the phones to talk about this issue, probably to talk about their repair bills. Uh, let's go to David in Gross Point. Welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks hey. for taking my call. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a, a very timely topic, I agree. I'd just like to make a couple of comments, and then I'll uh, be glad to take the response off air. Um, if, are either of you familiar with the stretch of, of Interstate 75 um, just south of I-94 um, between uh, that location and the, the split between I-375 and 75 before it heads to Toledo? Yes. The reason I bring that up is that uh, well over 20 years ago, that stretch of road was built to European road standards by the Michigan Department of Transportation as a test, and there is even a crack huh. or a pothole or failure in that road. And it's like I said, it's at least 20 years old, and I expect it to last another 20. Huh. Whereas in my neighborhood... Mac Avenue between Cadu and Maras right. was recently resurfaced, and it'll be two years um, this October, and the road is already falling apart. I was going to say, they're back out there, it seems like, uh, working on it uh, uh, right now with the potholes uh, that are that are all over it. David, that's a really interesting observation, and I, it's something I did not know about that stretch of I-75 
uh, Adi Tomer, I, I wonder if you can talk about these European standards. I know that they they build roads quite differently uh, on that continent than they do here. Is that is that maybe a solution? Yeah, I, I think what we find the most is a is an attitude difference um, in terms of the public's uh, tolerance for this kind of um, large scale projects, right? Um, so again, you, you know, your last guest kind of spoke to you know the the pace by which you would be able to rebuild. Um, but then the question becomes if you if you as you know as David just pointed out, you know, if the quality is going to be apparent to the customer, if you will, which is all of us, right, um, the residents of these states. Mm-hmm. Um, is going to be apparent, be apparent for multiple decades. Um, we need to ask ourselves if we're willing to tolerate that kind of um, construction schedule um, and feel confident that our partners inside government are going to deliver a product that benefits us, right? Um, so European attitudes are a little bit different here in terms of their willingness um, to kind of tolerate the, <laughs> the project scale, right? Um, and I, I think that's one of the key areas probably for Michigan, as well as other, again, states in the snow belt to think about. I'll just quickly note, as a Floridian, one of the, one of the elements you kind of disregard for where population is growing the fastest in the U.S. all across the sun belt, right, mm-hmm. but, you know, mm-hmm. between both oceans, um, they don't have these challenges, right? Um, so they really are, yeah. they are unique to the snow belt, and, um, and it's ones that, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but they do need to take them on more strategically than other places. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Aaron. Aaron in Livonia. We've got about a couple, uh, two minutes well, left, but I want to get you in. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, hi. Yeah. I'm here. Thanks for taking my call. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to ask if there's um, a discussion about how a lack of weight limits could impact um, the road conditions and if this can tie into a broader uh, discussion of trans- uh, public transportation uh-huh. as uh-huh. easing the weight limits um, of cars on the road that could cause deterioration over time. Great question, Aaron. Uh, weight limits with cars, uh, I-, I would think, is what you're talking about as opposed to to trucks, which I know is a big issue here in Michigan. We have a lot of very heavy trucks that, that, that use our roads. Uh, Adi Tomer, talk about how this fits into that conversation and how that connects maybe to the conversation about better public transit, maybe not being as, as detrimental to the roads. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, weight limits are, <clears throat> excuse me, weight limits are a huge issue. Obviously, they deteriorate the roads faster, and, it, and it's, um, it, it it's a logarithmic, if it makes sense in the sense, uh, you know, the, the more it weighs, the f- even faster it deteriorates, mm-hmm. right? Faster mm-hmm. than even the weight um, increase from a regular car, let's say. So um, there are very real conversations happening all over the country, including the United States. There's a lot of um, uh, difficult relationships here in the political sense, but about how much do we charge um, higher weight vehicles? relative to the um, investment needs that they create. Mm-hmm. Well. Mm-hmm. So um, there, as you can hear from my tone, there's a lot of landmines there. <laughs> so it, it's difficult to kind of say which side it should come down on. Yeah. But as we're thinking about all new fee structures for everything in transportation, so you know, for listeners to, to think about, you know, it's coming very soon. It'll be in the next probably five to 10 years. We're not just going to be paying a gas tax, which no one sees anyways. It's built into the price. Um, you're also going to be paying probably a mileage fee as more um, electric vehicles and just more fuel-efficient vehicles hit the road. And, and we gas tax can't fund everything in the future. Yeah. Uh, how that will feed in is how we think about um, where we're trying to help people go, of which public transportation has a key role to play. Obviously, there's some similarly difficult political fault lines in the Detroit metro area on, on regional transit. Absolutely. Um, but thinking about what kind of vehicles are on the road, 
who pays into the system, and, and honestly, most important for all of us is how we can make sure we can get to where we want to go um, and in a way that doesn't damage our vehicle or on transit, it doesn't take too long, um, is, is what we really need to be focused on. And, and there are solutions out there for us to make it better. Yeah. Uh, I've got about a minute left, but James on Twitter wants to talk about the use of road salt versus sand. He says he's heard that Ohio uses very little salt. Is that true? And is that a, a, a difference? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I answered, I'd, I'd just be lying. Yeah, I don't know either. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it there. Adi Tomer, fellow with the Brookings Institution's Metropolitan Policy Program, leads that organization's Metropolitan Infrastructure Initiative. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. I will be back on Monday. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And our associate producers are Gus Navarro and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bovian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you on Monday.